On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Grindhouse Girls friends and fam. It seems from a young age, Anna Lily Amarpour was meant to be a director. At the age of 12, she started making films with a family camcorder. However, her love of films started way before that. Born to Iranian parents in England before moving to the States when she was a child and eventually growing up in Bakersfield, California, Anna Lily became obsessed with pop culture at a young age, especially movies and music. As she became older and started writing, she kept coming back to a city in her mind that was like Iran, but also a hodgepodge of other memories, such as her dad's 1957 T-Bird and the industrial city of Taft, California, near where she grew up. This fictional city in her mind was named Bad City, and it was a stylized version of a lawless western town, a place for people that had been dealt a bad hand. Something was missing, though, and it wasn't until she put on a chador that her aunt had given her that the puzzle was complete. She thought of the chador as a living piece of fabric, and it made her feel like a stingray. At that moment, she knew she would be writing a story about an Iranian vampire that lives in Bad City. Anna Lily began working on her script, the first Iranian vampire spaghetti western. She would liken her film to more of a John Hughes movie than a horror film, and music would play a key part in many of the scenes. She wrote obsessively about her characters, creating very elaborate backstories for them. Also, despite being set in a fictional Iran city, she would film her movie in that small town she grew up near, Taft, California, while the language being spoken in the film would be Farsi. She would shoot her movie over 22 days and would crowdfund it on Indiegogo, raising almost $57,000 for it, before Elijah Wood's production company, Spectrovision, would sign on as a producer. Her film would then go on to premiere at the 2014 Sundance Film Festival, where it opened to glowing reviews, some critics even calling Anna Lily the next Quentin Tarantino. In honor of International Women's Day, we are of course talking about Anna Lily Amapur's 2014 film, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, which is currently streaming on Shudder. So sit back and hold on to your kitty cats. This is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. Uh, hey, this is Katie. And hi there, I am Brittany. Welcome. So I was, welcome. I was giggling at the last line of our intro of it. Hold on, you kitty cat. Is it a kitty cat? I'm wearing a kitty cat shirt tonight. Yes. Because there's a kitty cat in this movie. And, spoiler alert, the kitty cat is okay. Yes. And he's an amazing actor. He is so incredible. We're like, <laughs> Gizmo did not like Gizmo that. Gizmo agrees. <laughs> yeah. um, how are you, Brett? Um, I'm okay. I um, I was telling you and Ryan a little bit before we started recording that I've been in a weird funk that I just keep falling asleep very early for me. I usually am a 11 o'clock to midnight fall asleeper, uh, but this week it's been like 10 o'clock. I've been out like a light. So uh, I guess my body's just tired. What about you? How have you been, Katie? I feel really tired this week, but it's because our college's homecoming mm, yes. was this weekend, and I went to the outdoor event because I didn't feel like going inside. Uh, and I brought Gizmo, and it was outside. And even though it wasn't that hot, like, I just felt drained at the end of the day. And I ended up staying up late watching the shows on live stream. And then all day on Sunday, I napped. Because I had gotten, like, all of the artwork and stuff done early because I knew I had plans this weekend. So, like, I didn't have anything to do on Sunday. And I stayed in bed. But I still feel tired. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I don't understand. It was fun. I had I had a really good time talking to people. And getting to know my uh, friends that I hadn't seen in, like, 
years. So it's always a good thing. Yeah. Did you watch anything good this weekend? Oh, so because it was a crazy weekend, I only got to watch one movie and you had watched this movie. So I watched Spencer because, of course, yeah, Chris. What do you think? Um, so <laughs> not, not, not saying that Kristen Stewart isn't a talented actress. She, she is. It's not just, oh. it's not just the tone of the movie. It's just a very weird film. Production design yes. was pretty. Costuming was really yep. lovely. It kind of had that faded, almost Polaroid look to it, like you would see like in the mm -hmm. 90s. So that was interesting. But okay, this is not at all insult to the late great Princess Diana, but it's kind of hard just watching Kristen Stewart as Princess Diana mope around the castle for almost two hours. Bruh. Like, you know, I don't know. It, it was... I'm glad I watched it. It it wasn't my favorite. Ooh. What did you think about the music, the jazz music, I, when it was really loud? I was not a fan of the score. I think I, what I did like about the score, yeah. there was, like, some really sharp, like, um, strings and stuff, which, like, I, I get it. It's, like, it's, yes. her, it's her mind. It's her mind and how, like, she is on the verge of a mental breakdown. So I got that. That, yeah. that was cool, and that was very interesting musical effect. But just the jazz was so boom, boom. Boom, boom. But, like she's walking across the courtyard at night boom, 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 boom. and it just felt kind of off yeah it got like too distract there was a scene in the with the pool table yeah. scene where they're fighting like her and charles are having this like fight about each other's in like marital indiscretions and like the music was so loud and i was like can we not have one scene without any music because i feel like that scene didn't need any music and like it was just I don't know, it was distracting to me. And I think with that with that scene, I know it's what scene you're talking about, and I think it like rises to a crescendo, like she cannot literally handle this conversation. So once again, I got I got the idea behind it, but you're right, it almost right. it it almost distracted from the scene, even though you understood the purpose of it. it. It's like he didn't trust his actors or something to bring the crescendo up. Mm -hmm. You know? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't seen a lot of work by this director either. Although I know he's had a lot of actors be nominated for his films, but I don't think he's been nominated. So I don't know. It's, like, it wasn't. I think she did a really yeah. good job. Yeah. Oh, Chris Stewart did a good job. Yeah. It was not my favorite movie. You know what else wasn't my favorite movie? What? Don't look uh, up. Don't watch it. It's. <laughs> I hated it. It was. Okay. I paused it thinking I was two thirds of the way through. Yeah. I was halfway yeah, through. Okay, okay. It's two hours and 22 minutes. Okay, so after that movie, Blech. so you know I've never been a fan of that movie since the moment I saw it. And then afterwards, right. I was like, it's got nominated for Best Picture. Is it me? Am, am I Am I the drama? But then it no. like, it has a 55% no. on Rotten Tomatoes. A 55%. Nobody likes it. I, I don't. Okay, so this is a different movie podcast that people should listen to as well. Although they don't do as many horror films as we do. Sardonicast, which is three YouTubers that review movies that I already watched all of their individual channels, which is why I started listening to their podcast. I was like, oh, I already listened to them talk about movies anyways. Why not? They just released an episode today on Tatan and the and and uh, the thing, which I was like, oh, that's interesting. Weird. The thing. Yeah. But they were mentioning the Oscar nominees and they were like, yeah. and I agree with this. It's like they picked the most boring movies that were available this year. Like, and I'm like, why are they so afraid of, like, movies that, like, make you feel uncomfortable? Like, Teton got completely snubbed. and But there are a bunch of other movies, like, Passing. Yeah. I was like, 
why did you pass on passing? Was it because it's a woman? Was it because it, it talks about racial injustice? Like, I don't understand why. It's like movies that are honest. It's like they don't want. Because, like, even Spencer is pretty buttoned up for a movie about someone going through a divorce and depression. You know, like, she never really, like, talks about her feelings to anybody because she can't. Yeah. So it's kind of buttoned up. And I don't know. It just... Ugh. And there's just stuff that I was just like, the only movie I really, really loved that I don't even know if I love any of the ones that have been nominated for Best Picture this year. But I haven't seen West Side Story or Drive My Car. Or Belfast. Or Belfast. But I just, I don't know. It bothered me. But I'm always cynical about the Oscars, but I was glad somebody else was saying it because I was like, is it me? Do I just like not like the same movies the oscars like like i just feel like there were so many movies with so much life in them that they just ignored this year and it just bothered me i think that's i think that's every year though so we do consistently see that usually movies get snubbed every year and what it is as someone who loves the oscars and watched them my whole life something's gonna have to change the way things are Mm -hmm. nominated and voted is that's that's the issue because we have as I've said before, we have a very distinct middle where it's like we have older Academy members who they like, for example, they love Judy Dench. They constantly vote for Judy Dench. And then we have the young. I love Judy Dench. Yeah. And I love her too, but I don't think she outshined. She's already won. Well, I don't think she outshined Katrina Balfi in Belfast. And I'm not just saying that as a fan of Outlander. Katrina was incredible in Belfast. And for her to be nominated for Best Supporting and not Katrina when she's literally been nominated for Screen Actor and Critics Choice. There's an issue there, but that's they're gonna oh, have yeah. to they're gonna have to change something anyway because they're losing viewership. So many people are cynical, critical, or they just don't care about the Oscars. So you're having people in our age gap, and then there's people even younger than us who aren't really paying attention. So yeah, I just I don't get it anymore. And even last year they had a smaller pool, but they still picked like Promising Young Woman and Judas and the Black Messiah, mm-hmm. which to me were very interesting films. Yeah. And, like, they picked Parasite. What happened in the two years, three years, how many this years is Parasite? A, what happened? This is a weird year for film. I've said this to our, our friend Jonathan, and I said, you know, I, there's a lot of movies I saw this year that I really, really liked, but there's no movies that, like, I just beyond loved. Like, I, right. you know, and that's, that's usually an issue for me. I'm like, am I jaded or is this just a weird year for movies? And I really think our box office numbers, people aren't really going to the theaters, you know, unless you're very active with streaming movies, you're not really streaming movies in the same way. So you have these 10 Best Picture nominees and the average person has what, maybe seen one or two of the 10 nominated? Yeah. So. Well, and I liked, I mean, I love Teton and I really liked Lamb. Yeah. And I, I didn't get to see the French Dispatch, but his movies regularly are nominated. Wes and Anderson, that didn't get yeah, nominated. and that was weird. That's so I was like, but he's a nominee, yeah. darling. Oh, absolutely, and I don't. I'm not mad about anything, but probably don't look up. Yeah, and I also don't understand the Ricardo movie because I can't bring myself to watch that movie. I pro- I will before we talk about the Oscars, but like that looks boring, and I'm just like I don't understand. Yeah, why? I mean, I like all those actors, but they've all already won Academy Awards. Yeah, like give other people a shot for God's sakes. But yeah, uh, I did watch an. I didn't watch anything good this weekend. I watched <laughs> Don't Look Up, and then. I decided to watch the, because t- I didn't have time after watching this movie on Sunday because I napped most of the day 
to watch anything that I really need to pay attention to. So I was like, what is this new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie? <laughs> like, I didn't watch the trailer. And so I, re- I really didn't know. And it is really bad. Oof. And even Gizmo. Gizmo was barking at the screen when I was watching A Girl Walks Alone at night. But he didn't even, like, get up for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And there's gore everywhere. But it's like, even he wasn't phased by this. T- it was terrible. It was really bad. And I like the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but it was just really stupid. And they tried to do a Laurie Strode thing with, um, like, the new Halloween where the girl, Su- Susie? Is that her name that survives? That sounds familiar. Mm, whoever survives, whoever's the lone survivor at the end of the original film is, like, a sheriff in Texas. She's been hunting him for 50 years. And the woman who played her passed away in 2014 so they recast her and like even she like it was just bad it was really really bad and it just i don't, it was terrible don't bother watching it it's not worth it it was very gory but that was the only outstanding thing about it it didn't have any likable characters it really just was stupid i really i really didn't like that at all so I didn't. I didn't have a good movie weekend. Yeah, <laughs> it was nothing except for except for this week's movie, which was good. Everything I watched, I was like, I hate this. I did watch a few more episodes of Euphoria, though. I'm almost done with season one, and season two had a had an episode where they do a play, and those are my favorite episodes on TV shows, like the Hey Arnold, Romeo and Juliet, favorite episode of the whole series, next to Married. That's another really good episode, but. Oh, and Parents' Day. Oh, see, Parents' Day and the Christmas special are my two favorites, so. Oh, and Helga. And I forgot about the Christmas and, special. And Helga on the couch. And the Christmas special. And Helga Those on are my the couch. Helga on the couch. Like, it looks really funny, so I'm trying to get through it so I can get to that episode. It's really kind of depressing, though, because, like, it's just kids on drugs and doing terrible things. And not terrible things, but just, like, I didn't go to a high school like Euphoria where you can just wear your underwear in the hallway so i was like what high school is this like what is going on yeah but everyone who's in the show though is not a high schooler they're all adults so don't feel weird about like don't worry at least they're like that makes me feel better i'm like no real children are in this show yes thank god at least no real children in the show are like doing anything inappropriate so i don't know i think it's a good show though it's really well made and it's a24 produced so why i don't know why I'm surprised but it is it has like its own voice and it's very unique and it's funny but it's also really depressing so and Zendaya is very good at her like she's the narrator and she's pretty funny because she's she's got a good comedic timing I think anyways that's all I watched I haven't really gotten to watch anything else but I will March 2nd a bunch of stuff comes on stream yes that's nominated for Oscars so we will be watching more stuff before our Oscar episode. It's going to be a marathon. We will. And I did want to say just something really, really quick. Because speaking of weird year for movies. So as you guys know, I'm very excited about Cyrano. I love Peter Dinklage. I would literally watch him read the phone book. And I thought it was interesting because Cyrano yeah. is supposed to open nationwide this Friday. And we still don't know if it's coming here to Alabama. They don't update our times until Wednesday evening. So I guess we'll figure out tomorrow. But... Cyrano is still sitting pretty Cyrano is still sitting pretty at 87% on Rotten Tomatoes, yet it has a 4.5 on IMBD. Or not a 4.5. Not a 4.5. I'm sorry. It has like a 2.5. Or no, maybe a 4.5. Ooh. 4.5 because I have 10, right? Yeah. So anyway, uh-huh. how does it have two drastically different ratings on two drastically different critical review sites? Okay. 
So I don't know if this is how IMDb does it, but I know from listening to Red Letter Media that every once in a while, allegedly, mm-hmm. there will be movies that are shown to specific reviewers and they put in the early reviews that are on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. And then afterwards, when it's open to, and like they'll have a positive rating, mm-hmm. but then afterwards, They'll open it up to other reviewers who aren't, like, paid or sponsored by the movie. And then it'll drop drastically. Mm. And that's happened. I can't... What what movie was it? It might have been a DC movie. But I can't... There was one movie... I can't remember the episode of Red Letter Media. But they were talking about this. And they were, like... They were... You know, they're, like, allegedly. But it is, like, really suspect that pre-release date, they'll have these really high numbers. And then after the first weekend, it'll drop. Yeah. Drastically? Like, it's one thing, like... If it drops, like, a few points, but I do think IMDb seems to be more frequent. Like, the reviews I read on IMDb are more casual viewer heavy Mm -hmm. and less professional reviewer, which Rotten Tomatoes has a mix of it. So maybe it's that. I'm curious how the music... I like the music. ...sounds with Cyrano. I like the music. I haven't listened to any of it yet. Yeah. So, but it's a musical. Like, they're singing in it. And I know some people that turns them off. Yeah. So maybe it's that. but Or maybe it's just that the only people that have seen it on IMDb are like people who like it was not their cup of tea. I will say with the music, it's not very traditional musical. So there's not like a song that you're just like, oh my God, this is like the song of the year. But it's still like humble. Mm-hmm. There's like, it's still like a song, like all the songs are like songs that I see myself humming. And it's sweet because it's all a story about love. So it's very mushy at points. And I know that can be a turnoff. So mm-hmm. yeah. I want to see Cyrano because I think casting Peter Dinklage Casting an actor who has dwarfism is a great substitute for, like, the traditional, oh, I have a really long nose of Cyrano. I think it's a very good substitute and a more realistic one. I will say this very quickly. I know we're going we're going to be going on to the next thing. But Cyrano, this version of Cyrano began its life as a theater show directed by Peter Dinklage's wife, Erica. And she was the one that kind of was like... <gasps> Yeah, so she was the one that substituted dwarfism. Yeah, so I thought it was so. This was this was a brainchild conceived by his wife. So I really like that that this was something. It's a passion project that they have been working on for years before it got greenlit as a movie. And of course, Haley Bennett is that's awesome. Haley Bennett is married to who plays Roxanne, and of course was in uh, Swallow. She's directed to Joe Wright, who's the director of the movie, or married to Joe Wright. Aww, I'm sorry. She yeah. Her Instagram is fantastic. Mm-hmm. She like lives in the country with her little girl and her husband and she's always taking like these beautiful pictures of them like just out in the fields and i'm like oh my god <laughs> like it's very picturesque yeah but yeah from swallow i i loved her performance in swallow so i'm very excited to see her in something else too i hope it's good i don't know musicals are always tricky because sometimes they're great and sometimes they're not yeah but i love peter dinklage and it looks pretty. Yeah, it does look really pretty. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll definitely watch it. Yes. Oh, if we can watch it, you know. At least it's only nominated for costumes. Yeah. So if we don't watch it, we're not missing out too much. I'm kind of surprised Peter Dinklage hasn't been nominated for an Oscar. I think his time is coming. Unless he did one for the station agent. Oh, no. he uh, Station agent wasn't nominated for anything, even though I love the station agent. It's one of my favorite movies. So <laughs> I love Peter Dinklage. They need to write more parts for Peter Dinklage because... 
I like him. I know. He's a good actor. He is amazing. But with that, with that, I guess it's time to introduce this week's movie. Yeah. So, of course, we are talking about, again, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. It's a 2014 movie. It is streaming on Shudder. As we said in our opening, uh, it did premiere at Sundance Film Festival. And I don't know if you came across this, Katie, but she actually touched down and tripped and fell on a slab of ice and busted her forehead open and needed 35 stitches. So. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. Yeah. Before, at Sundance? Yes, at Sundance. Aww. Which just sounds like it would be my luck, Aww. too. So she was like, she was making a joke about like, well, if I seem woozy, it was because I just got 35 stitches in before the movie oh premiered. God. Yeah, so. Oh, my God. She, there was also like an Iranian film festival, but it wasn't in Iran mm. because this movie would not be allowed to be played in Iran. But she said that her mother wouldn't let her go to it either. But apparently they really liked it there, too. I was like, that's funny. Yeah, it's really funny. <laughs> I was funny. like, huh. Mother knows best. Yes, definitely. And she, um, she's really interesting. She's really, really cool. Um, she had these ideas, mm-hmm. and she said she, you know, she had all these inspirations. And one of her first big things that she became obsessed with was Anne Rice and like the Vampire Chronicles. And she's, this is a direct quote: mm-hmm. "A vampire, so many things: serial killer, a romantic, a historian, a drug addict. They're sort of all these things in one." And so she kind of loved vampires already, but she wanted to do something different. And so she created this movie which is like some Sergio Leone Sergio Leone with a hint of Sin City there's elements of film noir and Iranian new wave and it all comes together and what I love about it is so familiar it like looks like movies you've seen before but yet put all together it's so original I haven't seen anything like it yeah it's definitely got some pulp fiction in there and eraser head and she has a she wore a shirt in one of her pictures on IMDb and it has like a heart and the name Lynch on it. It's like, I want that shirt. It also kind of reminded me a little bit of Let the Right One mm-hmm. In. Not exactly, but the themes of loneliness yeah. explored in this movie I found interesting. And she's really fun. She has like some cool, her latest couple of movies are called The Bad Batch and Mona Lisa and the Blood Moon. But she's directed a lot of TV shows, um, including The New Twilight Zone, an episode of Castle Rock, and an episode of Legion, nice. which is another really good show. So I was like, oh, so she's she's been working. I think this movie made a big splash and got a lot of people's attention. Yeah. And I know it was on Netflix for a really long time. So I think a lot of people, honestly, like the poster is very eye-catching. And I think a lot of people have clicked on it because they're like, oh, that looks cool. What's that about? But it is interesting that it's based in Iran, but it's not filmed in Iran at all because they couldn't get away with. I mean, it's not that. I mean, there are some sexually explicit things in this movie. But it's not as sexually explicit as, like, an episode of Euphoria. No. So, like, to me, I'm like, what's wrong? But there's, like, there's, like, a nipple in it. And you can't show nipples in Iran, apparently. Also, before I knew it wasn't filmed in Iran, I was like, how are they getting away with, like, people walking around without, like, being fully covered? Because, like, us watching Under the Shadow, like, you know, there's a whole plot line where, like, she doesn't wear her chador and she gets in trouble with the police and i was like how are they getting away with this movie and i was like oh because it wasn't filmed in iran okay yeah makes sense. which is really like smart on her part too that she was like hey this is yeah. this is my vision but i'm staying with 
in California to ha make sure I can have my full vision. Now, I've read on the Wikipedia page that she suffers from 30% hearing loss, which is why there's a lack of dialogue in the mm -hmm. films. And I I wasn't for sure that was real until I saw multiple interviews where she's like, I'm very hard of hearing. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm very hard of hearing. So, and it makes sense because she... She's one of these directors that she like lovingly just will hold on a subject. So you'll be watching something and you feel like the anticipation with the characters because she'll just hold on something and not move. And it feels like it's been minutes and it's really like 30 seconds. But you mm -hmm. you live in the moment with the characters. So I thought that was really interesting. Kind of cool too. Yeah, she's got and she like music is a big thing. Mm -hmm. She said she had all the music picked out before she filmed it for each scene i was like that's cool i mean music can really elevate a scene or it can ruin it yeah um it kind of just depends so i had to put death by white lies on my apple music after this so because <laughs> it's so cool this movie is so interesting because almost every actor is iranian mm -hmm. but most of them either have dual citizenship in another country or like were born in iran and have moved to the united states to pursue acting or like canada or europe yeah so i thought that was like a really nice touch because even though she had to write the script phonetically because she's not fluent in Farsi. All of her actors knew what they were saying. At least I would hope so. I mean, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Or like they were at least familiar with it. That was pretty cool. Yeah. And it did take her uh, two months to write the script. And that's basically what she did. It's like once she knew what she was writing about, she just like hammered away at it. And I really like this quote she said. She said, the people who get the movie are my friends, but I don't expect to be friends with everybody. <laughs> I really, really like that, that this was like something that she knew wasn't going to be every body's cup of tea but it was her artistic vision and she in every interview i watched with her where people were like i love this about the movie she was very humbled and was like thank you so much for saying that but it was like at the end of the day she set out something that she was creating for herself and luckily other people happened to like it as well well i think those are the best movies yeah when you you create what you love and you write about what you know those tend to be the best movies because not everybody know like I don't I don't know what it's like to live in Iran mm -mm. or like at all so I was like just it felt it felt authentic obviously it wasn't because it was filmed in California but like it felt pretty authentic I thought I was getting a glimpse into another world yeah. that I didn't know. And also it's a fantasy version of Iran. So it is kind of like you're seeing a new world. I loved it. Also, I love that she is like a lifelong skateboarder. Something I'm not cool enough to do because I fell off a skateboard the first time I was on it um, in like two seconds and I never went back. But like she wanted to make a movie about a skateboarding vampire. And I think that's the coolest thing ever. It is really, really cool. <laughs> in fact... She doubled for the actress in the skateboarding scenes, like the main actress, which I find hilarious and awesome. It's really, really cool. Yeah, she she's like a just she seems like a very, very cool chick. I really like watching the interviews I watch with yes. her. So I, I think it's funny because in multiple interviews, too, they're like, so you grew up in California? And she's like, it's where I got my period. And they're like, you can see where people, yeah. <laughs> so that was like, <laughs> and people would like the interviewer would go, and she's like, so I mean, it's it's where I came, it's like she's like, it's basically where I came of age from uh, at, but I I grew up, you know, here right. and here and here, but I just thought that was so humorous that she right. kept saying, well, I, it's where I got my period because I heard her say that like four different yeah. times in four different interviews. So. <laughs> 
She said it in front of Roger Corman when he was interviewing her for the Hammer Museum, which it's on YouTube if you want to watch this interview. It's like a 40-minute interview. And yeah, it was he seemed like very amused by her. She's very funny. I like her. I, I want to see more of her movies. Apparently, Jason Momoa's in yeah. The Bad Batch. Uh, yeah, he is. They seem to be friends because he came to her premiere for Mona Lisa and the Blood Moon and they were like taking a picture together. She's like our height yeah. <laughs> next to Jason Momoa. <laughs> Um, we're not very tall people. I'm not very tall. Yeah, I'm not either. Brittany's a little taller than me, though. Barely, I think. <laughs> You're taller than me, though. I think I'm like 5'5". Five, five. Oh, yeah, I'm like 5'3". 5'2 yeah. <laughs> and 3 quarters if some, sometimes. It just depends who's measuring me. Yeah. I really like her, and this movie is different, mm-hmm. and it's very unique, but yet it has a lot of homages to movies that if you're a movie connoisseur, you will, like, I think you'll get those references. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think I got most of them. I'm sure there are some that I did not get, but I thought it was good. Oh, also the cinematography, oh, yeah. we should mention. Oh, yeah. By Lyle Vincent, who recently did Bad Education, Thoroughbreds. He he also did The Bad Batch for her, Cooties, and the upcoming miniseries based on the documentary series that I obsessively watched, The Staircase, Ooh. which I hope they asked permission from the family before they did the staircase but i don't know if they did because hulu didn't ask pam and tommy's permission before they did a biopic but this is i think i think it's netflix i can't remember who it's by but if you haven't watched the staircase documentary you should it's very gripping true crime but they're making mini series based on it too and i can't remember who's the main actors but it looks like a good cast sophie turner's in so. it too did i imagine that that she was in it she's probably one of the daughters yeah i would guess i feel like us I... oh colin isn't colin firth the guy that's a good question I think colin firth is playing the um violet well he's convicted the convicted murderer yeah colin firth is playing michael peterson sophie is playing margaret ratliff and oh tony collette is is playing Catherine. oh ah, okay peterson that's i was like oh tony you know i love tony collette oh yeah and colin firth perfect so i think um we are ready to go ahead and get into the plot of the film and some spoilers so please jump ahead Ooh. if you do not want anything about this movie to be spoiled for you again this is a girl walks home alone at night it is on shutter um and i do have a very brief synopsis yay, yay synopsis in the iranian ghost town bad city a lonely vampire wanders the city and preys on men who disrespect women until she meets another outsider Da-da-da. Spooky, scary, woo! No, it is. I I like this movie. Yeah, so please leave if and come back to the end if you haven't seen this movie yet because you don't want it spoiled for yourself because it's an interesting one that you should definitely see. It is. I would definitely agree with that. So we are, again, it is considered the first Iranian vampire spaghetti western which is a, a bunch of fun words <laughs> to say together and so yeah. we open up and we do have a rash a rash and he finds a very cute cat and that's the opening of the movie cutie cat yes and Arash is actually played by Arash maradandi who was dr Ressa in under the shadow so he has appeared on our list before yes. uh he was also in fireflies and the tv series tehran and the tv miniseries all you need i was like oh my god we've already seen him once that's great he also he's he has dual iranian and german citizenship which i was like that's cool that is really cool and he also, we he shares this opening scene with Masuka the cat, who plays the cat. 
So, <laughs> <laughs> which I think I'm guessing is named after the dish masuka. Yeah, oh, isn't that a I dish? I didn't know that. If it is With grape leaves, oh, that's new to me. If it is moussaka, moussaka, because you call it moussaka because <gasps> it's it's like a Middle Eastern ah, moussaka food. They they joke about it in my big fat Greek wedding. Yeah, moussaka is. It's like an eggplant lasagna. That is amazing. He's the breakout star in this movie. You can say what you want about the other act. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's really cute though. But we do see from the very beginning that it is definitely like spaghetti western inspired because there's this title that's very much like a fistful of do- dollars or once upon a time in the west. So it's like really cool. Uh, you get it out right off the bat. And he walks through Bad City. And it's obviously a bad city. But there's a dish full of garbage. He walks past a sex worker. A kid's asking him for money. He's like, I don't have money. The kid's like, you got this car. And he's like, I worked 2,000 days for this car. <laughs> yes. He, like, it's the equivalent of six years and days. Yeah. Also, there is, I didn't write the actor's name down. But there is an actor who plays, like, a gender fluid view, like, a voyeur yes. into the lives of everyone called Rockabilly. Yes. And they have, like, a cowboy hat on. It's great. A cowboy hat, but then they also have, like, a headscarf on. Yes. And they've got, like, a cowboy shirt at some point, And they're, like, dancing around the balloon. It's great. The actor is Reza Sixo Safe, and they are an actor and a writer who wrote The Persian Connection and Prisoners of the Ghostland. I just love that Rockabilly's just like randomly, they don't have any lines. They just like, she just wanted a gender fluid voyeur. Yeah. And their name is Rockabilly, and I think it was lovely. Sorry. It is. No, I, Rockabilly is a really cool character. And uh, she has mentioned before, she's like, there's the Chador is not political. If there's anything political in the movie, it's Rockabilly because it is, you're not gay in Iran. So I, I yeah. thought that was interesting. And she was asked at the Sundance Q&A, I was not able to find this interview, but she was asked, they were like, so what's the point of the transgender person? And she's like, I wanted them there. So like <laughs> that's the yeah point. she wanted them in the movie so she put them in the movie and yeah shut yeah. that shit down exactly i i appreciate that i wonder if they were trying to politely just ask if there was like a symbol mm-hmm. behind it behind casting that person but they just didn't know how to i don't know i didn't hear that question either so i'm curious if they were nice but confused person or if they were a bigoty asshole yeah i will I wouldn't have bet probably nice and confused. Usually if you if you go to Sundance Film Festival, I, I tend to think you probably would err more on the side of liberal just because it's Sundance Film Festival and there's a lot of we- there's a lot of weird movies at Sundance. Although somebody asked like Julia DeCorno, like they asked her those they're like, why is like there's so much nudity? She's like, because they're teenagers in college. Yeah. Like why does it matter? I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. But yeah, sorry, that was a No, tenor. no, you were good. But Arash goes home to his father, Hosin. And you know what's funny about this actor, actually? <gasps> He's Rajit! I was so yes. excited. He's Rajit! He's Rajit! Hello! I met your mother. Yes. I was like... He looks so different in this movie. He does. He's not his happy little little self. He was also in The Big Lebowski. I didn't know that about him. He was a doctor in The Big Lebowski. So I don't think he was a very big part, but... I thought that was cool. That is really cool. And then he's done like a ton of TV episodes, but Ranjit was probably his most famous 
cameo on television because he came in every season. Yeah, he kept reappearing. Every time they got into a cab, he was always the yeah. cab driver. So he was like, I think, in 20 episodes of it, which is really impressive, actually. Yeah. So if you watch How I Met Your Mother, you will know him. But he does look very different in this movie because Hussein, Hussein, his character, Hussein, no, I'm sorry, Hussein, his character. Uh, is in the throes of heroin addiction, which sucks. Yeah, it is. And he's like, because he's so addicted, he's shooting between his toes so it doesn't leave marks. So the opening scene, you see him and he's shooting He's shooting between his toes. But they are visited, so we get a lot of our characters. Oh, oh I know. We're vis- we, we get a lot of these characters right in the beginning of the movie. So they are visited by Sadid. And Sadid is also referred to as the pimp. He's played by Dominic Reigns. Uh, did you have, I had a few things about Dominic yeah. Reigns, but did you want to take it away? Apparently, he's on Chicago Med, and Saeed is played by Dominant Reigns, Burn Country, and then Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., apparently. Oh, nice. Which I haven't watched yet, but I always like to mention if it's a Marvel-adjacent part. So he's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Also, he has the same name, Saeed, as my favorite, one of my favorite characters from Lost. So, but spelled differently. Oh, interesting. Because I think Syed had a Y in the middle of his name, but people said it differently seed visits him though because he wants his money that hossein owes him and i already off the bat i was like this guy is trashy because he acts like he's gonna you know why why it's the neck tattoos. oh is it the neck tattoos i'm sorry i've never met anyone cool that has like a singular neck tattoo and i think his like said sexy on yeah it says sex in the on the throat it says sex see for me it was because it's different if it's decorative for me it was trashy because he picks up the cat and like insinuates like maybe he's gonna hurt the cat because he's like oh what's is your cat a boy or a girl and the cat's obviously uncomfortable which no animals were harming the mickey in this film but it says at the end of the movie but still yeah the cat's like (laughs) like it's like he's just like mr cat Mr. Cat, which, okay, by the way, I'm not offended by tattoos. I really like tattoos. I think they're beautiful. But there's something about a man with a neck tattoo that's a word that I've never had a good experience with. Go no, ahead. no. I was about to say, it's interesting, though, because as we mentioned in the opening, uh, Anna Lily is very, like, obsessive with creating backstories for her characters. And I thought it was interesting. So she's like, Sadie loves friends and Ross is his favorite character. And I'm like, it explains everything. <laughs> no. <laughs> Ross is no one's favorite character. So, I'm just like, it explains everything. But because Hossein cannot pay him back, he basically takes Arash's car, which is like his pride and joy. So afterwards, naturally, Arash Bullshit. is upset. Arash is upset. He breaks his hand, punching a wall in frustration. So then he rides his bike to work, where he works as a handyman for a rich family. And he's trying to fix something in Miss Shayada's room. And he asks her to leave, so he's not alone with her in the room because he's a gentleman. And she mocks him and then leaves. And then Miss Sh- Shayada is played by... I'm so sorry, I had it written down. I think it's Shayda. Shayda? Is it pronounced Shayda? I think it's Shayda. Okay. Correct us if we're yes, wrong, Yes, please though. correct us if we're wrong. She uh, she was played by Rome Chandelou, whose first IMBD credit was playing Kate on the episode of How I Met Your Mother. Uh, she, yeah, yeah, isn't that cool? Like, you're like, okay. That's funny. Yeah, uh... She is also an entourage, Cougars Incorporated, and The Cottage. So she's still she's still doing her thing too. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. But after Shada leaves the room, he swipes her earrings. And then we see Sadi meet up with mm-hmm. sex worker Ati. And did you have anything for Ati? She's currently in Pam and Tommy, which I know a lot of people are enjoying. Wow. 
Uh, she was also in The Affair and The Blacklist and House of Cards for a recurring part. So she's done a lot of television. Mozan Marno is her name. She's also like, like she has really pretty yeah. eyes, like almost like hauntingly pretty eyes. So she really like makes a scene when like she comes on. She's like interesting to look she at. She is. Yes, she's very beautiful. And for her character backstory, I did read this that Addie watched her mother kill her father when she was 14. So this is never explicitly said. Oh, this is never explicitly said in the movie. These are just like backstories that Anna Lily was telling her cast like you need to know this. You need to know this. You need to know this. But she Sadid is obviously her pimp and she asks for a portion of her cut and he mocks her for being 30. Oh. Yeah. You go in the stolen 57 Mm t-bird oh yeah yeah because he's specifically like look at my my new car it's not your car asshole Mm -hmm. he's a piece of shit that annoyed me i'm sorry well he also has (laughs) her perform like oral sex on him after he mocks her but this is the first time he sees a young woman in a shador briefly and he gets spooked before throwing addy out of the car so we see our young woman for the first time. And then he, like, kicks her out of the car mm-hmm. when she asks for her cut. He's such a dick. He is. Oh, my God. But Addie's fine to go home. Addie's safe. Yeah, she is. Oh, which, if you don't know what Shador is, I guess we should describe it if you haven't seen the movie. A Shador is, like, a cape with a hood on it so instead of like a full hijab a lot of people in iran wear shador like that's the more like hip thing according to anna lily on rapport she was like that's like the fashion so like it's open in the front and i think like some people will cover their faces with like a a face covering or and wear a dress underneath but i guess you're more open to wear like a different outfit as long as you're wearing a shador you're still, like, within the legal uh, morality laws that they have there. Yeah. But it does look like a vampire cape. It does. It's really, really cool. With the hood. And since we're officially <laughs> being introduced to a young woman, did you want to introduce her? Sure. Um, the young woman is played by Sheila Vand, who looks very similar to Anna Lily Amarpour, which is why Anna Lily was allowed to double for her in the skateboarding scenes. She's currently in the Snowpiercer series on television, and she was also in Argo and a movie that is on our list, but I haven't watched yet called The Rental, which oh, yeah. I think is directed by Dave Franco. And it came out last year, but it's one that's on our list that I meant to do when we were still in cold winter times because it's about people go to like a cabin in the woods and something bad happens. But yeah, so she's 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 working too. I like that most of these actors are still pretty active, at least on television. And I love that... We, I love we get an introduction to her. So we see her like dancing in her apartment and she's obviously like yeah. by herself and you, you, she's like very like otherworldly beautiful and just different. And she applies this dark eyeliner and lipstick and she later walks by Sneed on the street and he invites her to his place. There's definitely, like, you think you know who the prey is and who the predator is, but you really don't. Which... I love the set dressing in this mm-hmm. scene because, like, all of his stuff is, like, yes. tigers and he lions loves and, like, predators. And he's, like, and he's even got, like, a tiger tattoo somewhere on his body. Like, you think that she's, like, the victim. And you've just seen him take advantage of a mm-hmm. woman. And you're, like, oh, no. But how the tables have turntabled. 
later. Yes, yes. And I think it's hilarious because he, like, tries to impress her by doing some cocaine. And he lifts some weights. And he tries to dance for her. And she just rolls her eyes. It's so creepy. Like, it's so, like, none of these things are sexually attractive. But he, he thinks he's hot shit. Oh, takes his shirt off. He's, like, an alpha male. Yeah. He's, like, one of those alpha males. Like, are you a sigma, a beta, an alpha male? Don't, don't date an alpha male, mm. ladies. Or a sig- Anyone who uses the words alpha, sigma, or beta male to describe themselves is no good no i'm sorry and you know what thinking and thinking about this is like the only scene of real violence in the movie like i would almost if it wasn't for the scene i would almost say this wasn't a horror movie in any sort of the way but this scene is horrific it's pretty gross it is he goes to touch her face at which point her fangs pop out so this is the first time we know for sure she's a vampire and they never say the movie they never say the word vampire in this movie at all her fangs pop out and he's intrigued and so she sucks on his finger before biting it off yeah all of it and then like she's like laughing and she just spits it back out and then she just devour oh no you gotta you gotta tell you gotta tell the part because his creepy thing is he likes to circle his finger around their lips and she takes his severed finger circles it around his lips (laughs) 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 yeah it is yeah it's pretty gross gross. it's funny though it's pretty funny honestly like it's gross and funny at the same time but yeah like she bites off his whole ass finger it's great oh it's so funny it's but it's i mean it's funny it's not but she takes all of his jewelry Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, is she just like a thief? You're not really sure yet. And then as she's leaving, Arash is there to trade some earrings he stole from Shida for his car. Yeah. And so they pass each other as she's living, so, leaving. So they see that like first glance of each other. He goes in, he finds the body, he gets his car keys, and then he takes all the drugs. And I love this scene yeah. because... No, he, he takes them. Yeah, he him. takes all the drugs. He oh, yeah, thank you. He didn't, yeah, he doesn't... Them. And money. He takes money and drugs. Yeah, I was about to say, he doesn't suitcase. overdose. This isn't the end of the movie, so. <laughs> no. And, and do you think that's a nod to Pulp Fiction? I mean, not Pulp Fiction. Wait, yeah, Pulp Fiction has the, whatchamacallit, the, the suitcase. Oh, yeah, the suitcase with the gold in it. Yeah. We yeah. never see what's in the gold suitcase, though. They just open it up. But no, I don't. Yeah. It may be. It may be because you know she does seem like she loves her Tarantino. I actually love this next scene because it's very, very Tarantino esque. But it's because the score is very Morricone. So because Arash goes home and like he gives his father water, the young woman's bathing the blood off of her, and he later dumps the body and starts to sell the drugs. And it has this very like cool like Western mm-hmm. Morricone score. And I'm like, oh okay, mm-hmm. yeah, like he's. He's yeah. becoming someone different now than he used to be. And he ends up dressing like Dracula. Yeah. And uh, goes to a costume party to sell ecstasy. Uh, and he runs into Shida and her friend who is played, is called Shirin in the script. But on the credits, they just call her Skeleton Party Girl, who's played by Anna Lily Amarpour, which she has like a skeleton face paint on. Yeah. And, like, Shida, he gives them ecstasy for free because he thinks Shida's cute. And she convinces him to take ecstasy, too. So he's, like, tripping. It's like an episode of Euphoria, y'all. He's tripping. He's dancing. He tries to hit on her. And she's like, uh, no. And so he kind of, like, gets lost trying to go home on the streets of Bad City. Yeah. Also, at some point, did we mention that the girl had intimidated the little boy that that happens that happened right before this scene the costume party scene yeah okay she she kind of intimidates little boy and tells him you better be a good boy 
and puts like the fear of her i love that scene though because as she threatens him her voice like changes like she doesn't sound like this Mm -hmm. sweet girl she sounds like this other worldly demon and she's like i'm gonna watch you for the rest Mm -hmm. of your life so be a good boy be a good boy and you're like oh fuck yes i'll be a good boy but it makes sense because she preys upon bad men so if he's a good boy she'll never Mm -hmm. prey upon him but our lonely vampire runs into our lonely Dracula, who's looking up at a street light, and he shows her kindness because she approaches him, and he grabs her, and he realizes she's cold, and when he realizes she's cold, he hugs her. Oh, yeah. It's, it's really, really sweet. He is sweet. And he's like, I need to sit down. And she's like, you can't sit down here. And so she puts him on her skateboard. He's in the middle of the road. <laughs> <laughs> She puts him on the skateboard yeah, and wills we've him. We've all been that drunk. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's this funny. next scene is, like, probably my favorite scene in the entire movie. So she takes him back to her apartment, and she has, like, a disco ball. And he plays with the disco ball, and she's playing uh, Death by White Lies, which was also in Jennifer's body. And he comes up he comes up behind her, and the moment is, like, frozen. You, like, feel, like, the tension... And like the romantic tension between the two of them, but neither of them are willing to make the first move because neither of them, I don't think they want to, I don't think they can accept rejection at this point. But he bears his neck to her and she, instead of biting his neck, she listens to his heartbeat. And it's such a, yeah. it's such a beautifully filmed moment. It's probably one of my favorite film moments I think I've seen in a movie in a hot minute. So I loved it. And there's definitely, like, sexual tension there. But it doesn't really... They never, like, kiss or anything in the movie. But there's a lot of tension. Yeah, It's like the first three seasons of The Office. Oh, yeah. Pam and Jim. Yeah. And the scene that we see next is almost like a little interlude, which is where Rockabilly dances with their balloon. Yeah. Rockabilly and their balloon. I don't know. Now I'm like, should the artwork for the episode be her skateboarding or rockabilly dancing with that balloon i don't know they're both pretty fun it is they're both fun as much as i love rockabilly i'm like you gotta have the girl on the skateboard it's too cool she looks like a bat i really want to have her like skateboarding like it's a little cartoon of just like a little vampire skateboarding with her little striped shirt oh it's cute it's cute she's i feel like we should we could put that on a little t-shirt like on like a little patch right Aww. here a little skateboarding vampire that is cute she's adorable it is really cute i love her and then she bites people's fingers i always off, think of it's you cute. guys remember did you know soundtrack and i'm a vampire i'm a vampire i'm a vampire like it just says I'm, it over yes, and over again i love that so, song. <laughs> uh Hossein does ask where Arash was the night before and he admits he was with a girl but he doesn't know her name he calls him an idiot but then also is like congratulations ha- handsome so the next scene we do see Addie keys Arash's car because she thinks it belongs to Saeed and the young woman sees her and follows her and she gives her Saeed's payment and so Addie's like oh fuck where'd you get this and uh-huh. takes her to her house so that's what she was doing with all the jewelry mm-hmm. Which I think was cute. You're like, oh, she's not a thief. She's just trying to help out her fellow lady. She is, yeah. And she's so lonely. It's like she's also, I feel like, reaching out for connection, but doesn't quite know how. And so because she's wearing her chador, Addie asks her if she's religious, and she says no. And that's like the first thing she says, because she's trying to talk to her, and she's staying quiet. But she tells Addie, she's like, but I've been watching you, and I can tell you're sad, and you don't remember what you want. 
once again, going back to that idea of her being a historian, like, this is what this lonely vampire does. She just watches the people, Bad City, and so she knows so much about everyone, but she doesn't really have any connections with mm-hmm. anyone. And it's sad, because she's like, Addie, you're obviously, like, saving your money, too, and you're like, ooh, what is she, which is kind of cliche, because I feel like there's always a sex worker saving their money to get out of this town in a lot of movies so i'm like i don't know if it's cliche or just an homage and so we do i don't know if you fought this katie but taylor and me both fought this so the next thing we see her riding a skateboard but she looks like she's floating because like her chador is almost covering the skateboard so for a minute it looks like she's floating yes yeah which i kind of like that about the idea of like a vampire because like it's like all the magical things about vampires, her wearing the Shador is, you know, plausible because she's in Iran. Okay, like, that's why she's wearing a cape. And then she's skateboarding and she looks like she's flying. Oh, that's plausible too. So she's like a flying caped vampire, but like in a plausible way, yes. which I think was pretty cool. I think It is cool. really cool. Also, she's wearing a striped shirt like Juno. Yes. Which I just realized. And she is. And she does have, like, the kind of very, like, short, almost like Audrey Hepburn-like cut. And she has, like, eye, wing, like, not winged eyeliner. Yeah, androgynous. Yeah, red lips. Like, she's very pretty, but very, very thin. She also looks like Audrey Tattoo in... Amelie! Amelie? Yeah. Like, she looks a little bit like Amelie as well. Yes. And then she is, I, I I love her. But she does feed on a homeless man. And then she gets home and sees that Arash has left her a note saying, hey, meet me at the power plant, sign Dracula. And she dreams of him. And I thought that was interesting that here's a vampire who dreams. But she dreams of Arash walking down the hall towards her. And so she does meet him at the power plant. And yeah. it's beautiful. I love the way this is filmed. And he brings her a hamburger, mm-hmm. which is really sweet. So <laughs> and she doesn't like hamburgers because she can't eat them. <laughs> he's like, you're the first person I've met who doesn't like hamburgers. And I'm like, you know what I do love is that Rash asks her the real questions. He's like, what's the last song you listened to? I'm like, good for you. You're asking like the real questions. And she's like, and then, <laughs> he's judging her by and her then, song selection. But she says hello by Lionel Richie. He's like, you listen to sad songs. Oh. And then he plays... That's a great song. It is song. a great song. And I, I need to add this one to my Apple playlist. He Hello. plays a Calab- a Calabam by Radio Turan. So I'm like, okay, so I don't know if that's really a sad song or not. But he does give her the earrings he stole. And he says, it's a shame. But her ears yeah, aren't pierced. Yeah, she can't wear them because her ears aren't pierced. Which is funny because of what he does. Or what she asks him to do. Yeah, she, okay, first of all, okay, wait. At first I was like, why does she have a safety pin? And then I realized if you wear... A shador or hijab, you do have to pin it in place. So she probably has a safety pin to pin her shador in place. But when I first saw the movie the first time, I was like, where get that safety pin? She's like, hey, will you pierce my ears with this? I was like, what? I was like, okay, no, it makes sense. It it tracks. It tracks. Oh, and he even, like, sanitizes it before piercing her ears. And is that, like... I'm sure there's some kind of sexual innuendo, oh, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I wrote this down. So because they don't have... Penetrating. Yeah, it's because <laughs> vampires equate to sexuality and piercing the flesh, and he's piercing yes. her flesh. And when he pierces the first ear, she has to turn around because her fangs come out. She yeah. gets aroused. Again, sensual? Like, I feel like the only other movie that was this sensual, where there wasn't a whole lot of actual kissing, but it was sensual, was probably Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yeah, you're Because there right. wasn't a ton of, like, actual sex in Portrait of a Lady on Fire. It was a lot of, like, touching or, like, caressing. Or, like, 
painting each other and just staring at each other really intensely. So, yes. It's a great movie. I'm sure you guys know movie. that because we did that a long time ago. But if you haven't seen it, you should still see it. You should. And he goes to kiss her after he does it. And she's like, I'm bad. I've done bad things. And he's like, well, I have too. And he tries to convince her to stay. But she leaves. And the train rolls in. And turns out that was not planned. But she was like, go, go, go. Because it was like they weren't planning for a train to be there. Yeah. So, But it was a great it's shot. Fair. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Sometimes magic happens. Yes. But, you know, obviously Arash just can't get a break. And so Hossein uh, freaks out. One day his dad freaks out one day thinking the cat is Arash's mother, becoming convinced the cat's eyes are her eyes. And so he knocks all her pictures mm-hmm. to the floor and they argue and Arash is like, gives him the heroin. It's like, get out of here and take the cat too because I don't want him anymore. And you're like, damn, that's fucked up. Like, what did that cat do to you? he has money too. He's like, yeah. I know. I was like, because when he gets the cat, the little boy asks him whose cat is that? He's like, oh, it's mine. Mm-hmm. But then he's going to let his crazy dad take the cat? Yeah. Like, that's depressing. It is really sad. But that night, Hossein takes the cat, he visits Addie, and he asks her to dance for him, and she does. And afterwards, he forces her to do heroin. Which is a very is... beautifully shot scene. Oh, it is. It's so gorgeous. Because she's backlit, and so, like, her outline glows, and it's really pretty. It is um, really well shot. Sorry, I just, I remember watching, I was like, ooh, that looks cool. No, I'm glad like, you brought it, was it up. It really cool. Because it is gorgeous, and it's almost like you forget that beautiful moment because he forces her to do heroin. Like, he literally holds her arm down and puts the needle in her. And I know it's not the same as rape, but it's very uncomfortable that she's like, no, I don't want to do it. I told you I don't want to do it. And he still is like, we're going to have some fun. So it's really upsetting. It bothers me because, like, asking someone to do something and them saying, no, thank you. Yeah. Okay. But when you start forcing people to do stuff that they don't want to do, that's when I get angry. Yeah. It's really but okay. because he does this, now granted, okay, it doesn't really make it better, but at least he starts to nod off and sleep with her. Like, he's not, like, having sex with her. He takes the heroin, too, no. and he holds her and starts to doze off. But he's already fucked up because the young woman is like, see what you did there? And she comes barging into the room and she attacks him and kills him. And because Addie's in a, like, a drug trance, she can't even figure what's going on. Everything's, like, in slow motion. And then they, um, they dispose of the body on the street and the only observer is the little boy. Mm-hmm. But he's already terrified. Yeah. Because she told him she was watching him. Yeah. Yep. And Addie tells her to leave with the cat. Because apparently nobody wants the cat. I Okay, at this point, though, do you realize once a young woman gets the cat, it's in the possession of almost every main character in the film? Isn't that crazy? It, yeah. yeah. So. Isn't that weird? It is really. I'm, sure I'm like symbolic of something. It has to be intentional. But yeah, this poor cat just can't cut a break. Well, I think she'll take care of the cat. Yeah. Well, we do have what happens the next day. And if you want to lead what happens the next day. So the next day, Arash finds his father's body on the street, surrounded by a crowd, which was awkward, and the little boy. And he asks the little boy what happened. He asks him several times. He will not say a word. He's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So he runs to the girl's apartment. Because that is who he loves. And he waits for her to, I guess, wake up from slumbering all day. And when she wakes up, he begs her to leave Bad City with him. And she doesn't say anything. But she slowly and silently starts packing a bag. And as she's packing the bag, guess who steps out of the bathroom? It's the kitty cat. It's Mr. Cat. It is. And Musaka 
And you can see the wheels turning in his head like something has happened. She knows something or she did something. And that's how my father ended up dead. But it's like he doesn't want to talk about it yet because he's really not sure what he thinks about it. So they get in his car. They start driving out of the city. And then, okay, this scared me because then he pulls over. And I'm like, what is he going to do? Is he going to kill her? Is he going to try to kill her and she's going to have to kill him? And he gets out of the car and he's like pacing back and forth. Obviously, like, trying to figure out what does he want to do. And then he just gets back in the car and the girl, Arash, and the cat drive away from Bad City to start a new life. Which is kind of happy. Which, is she going to tell him he's a vampire before sunrise? Because... Yeah, that's what I I was wondering, too. I honestly thought that. I thought that. I was like, all I could think of was thirst. And I was like, she's in the car. The sun has to come up sooner or later. Like, maybe the Shador is like uh, SPF. A thousand. Maybe. Maybe her Shador. Maybe that's that's the real reason why she wears it. Because it seems like that part of Iran, because most people, most women are just wearing headscarves. I feel like as long as your hair is covered, you're okay. Because like Addie and Rockabilly were just wearing headscarves. Yeah. So maybe... The reason she wore the Shador is so she can escape the sunlight. Yeah. Oh. But also, <laughs> is she going to burn alive in the morning? I hope not. I hope I don't not think either. So. I want to think it's a happy ending. The cat looks really happy. It's just sitting in between them like, hey, it's when so we're going to get the show on the road. It's such a good actor. And it's a chunk, too. Like, it's a big cat. So <laughs> it's, it's a chunky cat. But it's not, like, cat. fat. Just, like, big. Yeah. Like, it's so cute. The, their belly's not hanging and stuff. It's just, like, it's a chunkster. Yes. But, yeah, that's the movie. It is. It's the movie. So, what, uh, so tell me, Katie, first off, what do you think your pros are for this movie? I definitely love the cinematography. I definitely love the performances. Really like the atmosphere in the music. And the themes were pretty, like, clear. Like, loneliness, disparity of wealth, and, like, sexual repression. Because she did say, like, the Shador, if it represents anything, it's maybe sexual repression. Because that is a big theme in Iran. And she's been to Iran. But she said she knew she could never make this movie there because there are so many strictures there. And she was like, you know, if the world was a little different, maybe I could have filmed this in Iran. But I can't. But it's not so much like a Persepolis or... Under the Shadow, where that's the main theme, which I kind of like setting it in a world that's unfamiliar, but having it be a vampire film. But I really, I think this movie's good. What were your favorite pros? So I put, you can tell Anna Lily used to work as a DJ because the music is incredible. Uh, there's uh-huh. catchy Iranian pop songs, but there's also that Morricone-like score at times. The images are powerful uh-huh. and they do a lot of talking for the silence in between. It was shot on an anamorphic lens and 34 millimeter film. So there's some gorgeous wide shots. Um, and the blending mm-hmm. of the genres is just seamless and so effortlessly cool. So I, I thought there was a lot. I thought it was cool. It was very unique. It was very different. Did I say something wrong? I would say so. I thirty. I'm sorry. Thirty five. Taylor heard me in there. He said it's thirty five millimeter film. Thank you, Taylor. Thirty five. Oh, I was like, film. I was like, I don't, I don't know if you say anything wrong. Yeah. So he's signaling <laughs> to me. Millimeters correct. That the camera person is signaling to me over there. So it's when you date a photographer, yeah. I mean, well, oh, well, you're married to a photographer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh... What were your cons, though? I don't have a lot. I just, it's a little quiet, except when the music's playing. 
Like when the music's not there, I found it a little lacking in interest and it was a little lengthy, but the original cut was over three hours. Oh. So, and she said it felt like amputating a piece of the film. So it's not a crazy long movie, but I did feel like it was slow moving in parts, but then the parts I really enjoyed I really, really, really liked. Maybe if it wasn't in black and white, I wouldn't have felt it was so slow. I've seen a lot of black and white movies recently. And I think the only one that I didn't tune out a little bit during was Passing. Yeah. Because that was pretty, like, quick moving. But I like I like the black and white, though. It's pretty stylistic and it's interesting. Like, it's just a little little lengthy, but not crazy long. I just wish it was like, it, there's just, I, I feel like she could have trimmed the fat just a little bit more. A yeah. little bit. I get what you're saying, because it's only like an hour and 40 minutes. But I think the first time I watched it, it felt a lot longer than an hour and 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I kind of had that end where it's like, it was my fault because I started at nine and I'm old. And like, during the last like 30 minutes, I was like, oh, my eyes are getting heavy. Because there is something serene about the black and white in a weird way. Yeah. So Maybe it was just making me like, too serene. Yeah. Because I also started watching it between going to an event and watching the live stream of Homecoming. So, and then I stopped it so I could restart it in the morning. But I still think it's good and I, I really like the movie and I think there's a lot of really cool visuals and I think it's definitely worth a watch. Yes, so, I would agree More pros with that. than cons. I would agree with that. I, I would say, I don't know if you feel this way, I couldn't just recommend it to anybody though. Like, I like the movie myself, but I, I wouldn't just go recommending this to like the average co-worker or even friend because it is so uniquely different. I would agree. Did you have like a Grindhouse Girls rating? I or did. Or number rating, whichever one we want to do first. I did have a number rating, so I, I wavered between a 7.5 and an 8 and ended up going with a 7.5 because it was a I little seven. slower. Okay, yeah. So yeah, definitely solid. Definitely one of those movies that is a strong enough debut. I would love to see what she does in the future. Mm -hmm. Now my Grindhouse rating, I had two. And the first one was rated C for convertibles, cocaine, and cats. (laughs) And my second rating was rated L for lucky jewelry and lonely vampires. Okay. We had completely different letters this time. Oh, okay. I had rated S for skateboarding, vampires, and safety pin piercings. And then (laughs) rated P for pathetic pimps, pierced ears, and petroleum-adjacent prostitution. Oh, nice. Okay. Because there's a petroleum field next door. That's true. That's true. Very interesting. Um, Between those two, I think I like S just a little, like a hair better. But both of them are really good. I like the skateboarding vampires. Oh, you like S? Yeah, I like S. Okay. Yeah. Ryan's Ryan's saying S. Okay. No. Rated S. Dot, dot, dot. Yay! I just love the skateboarding and the piercing ear scene. Those are my two favorite things. Yes. Yes. So I think we both recommend this movie, though. Yeah, I would recommend it. Especially, like, if you're a film lover, you're going to love all the different genre blending. Yeah. Especially if you like Lynch and Tarantino and Spaghetti Westerns. I think you'll really like it. I feel like maybe if those aren't your cup of tea, maybe you wouldn't like them as much. But I don't know. I like those people, so. Yes. And that's, it's very obvious that that's an influence. That's perfect. 
Well, I think that wraps up our episode on A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. So I think this episode will actually air the day after International Women's Day. But happy International Women's Day. Yay. There is a lot of really great directors, female directors in horror. You guys just got to find them, but they are amazing. So remember to celebrate women directors. So yeah, that's my little soapbox. So, (laughs) But... With that, with that being said, Katie, I believe that it's your pick of the week now coming up. It is. And so next week is the week before we do our Oscars episode. And so I, and, and it's right before St. Patrick's Day. So I was trying to find an Irish horror movie. But honestly, I was coming up short all over. There's not that many. And the ones that, like, we've done a lot of vampire movies recently. Yeah. And the ones I could find were like vampire adjacent or like really slow burns. And I was like, I don't really want a slow burn. But then Brittany texted me yesterday and said, guess what's on Hulu? And it's my favorite movie of 2021. Titan. Sorry, St. Patrick's Day. I'm picking Titan because it got snubbed by the Oscars and it was my favorite movie last year. And it's by Julia DeCorno. It was... One of the only movies I saw in theaters that blew me the fuck away last year. Teton is a French horror thriller family drama by our girl, Julia DeCorno, who also directed Raw. I'm not going to say a whole lot about the movie because I think going in blind is going to be the best way. But it is on Hulu in America. And uh, it's Teton, T-I-T-A-N-E. It looks like Titan. Which is the French word for titanium. Which we haven't watched an English yep. film in a really long time. I just realized. Oh, yeah. Now what, you what did it. we do before before Wolf House? Oh, wait. No, we did. Hot, no, we did. Gotcha and Hess was in English. Yeah. And Eve's Bayou. Yeah. And so was uh, Eve's Bayou. We're doing like yeah. three straight weeks of foreign films. But I don't think anyone cares. No. Which, thank you, Sam Wayman. Has been liking all of our yeah. posts about Concha and Hess, and I I feel very uh, blessed and honored, as I think Britt yes. Brit, like answered him, and I was like, what? Who who was who is also Nina Simone's brother? So you know, not only is he a yes. performer and composer, but he also is related to one of the most famous singer songwriters of our generation, or not our generation, I guess their generation, but still an enduring talent. That's pretty yes. cool. So thanks. It's really cool. Thanks. Yeah. If you're listening. I don't know if Thanks. horror movies are your thing. But I guess with that, is it time to say goodnight or goodbye or good day? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I know the world is scary right now. Um, people are invading people and people are burning books and things. So I hope the podcast gives you a distraction from the awful things in the world. And I hope that things get better. But just know that we love you guys and we're very thankful that you guys are here with us along on this spooky ride. And I'm very grateful for you guys. I'm very grateful for Britt and Ryan and all of our spooky times. Don't forget to wash your hands and take your vitamins and wear a mask when you're like inside with people you don't know. Hug your fur babies and real babies tight. I don't have real babies, so... I hug my fur baby tight and be good to one another. 
and watch some spooky, scary movies. And try to watch some Oscar movies because um, after Tatum, we are going to talk about the Oscars. And there might we'll try not to spoil too much, but there might be light spoilers depending on how deep in the discussion we get. So if you want to also yeah. think about who you would nominate for different awards, you can do that. We love you guys. Thank you. Yeah. So um, following up on that, as always, uh, thank you, Katie. Thank you, Ryan. I'm appreciative of you. I'm appreciative of every single one of you that turn in and listen. Uh, Thank you for liking, commenting, sharing. For those rare ones that slide into the DMs, we love you. Thank you. It is... (laughs) It is a crazy time to be alive, for sure, and it's a little exhausting. Um, So if you need that extra nap, no one's going to fault you. Please take the nap. It's really good for you. Yes, wash your hands. Please drink your water. This is a reminder. Drink that water, you beautiful dehydrated bitch. So uh, do something nice for yourself. I hope you listen to your favorite song today. I hope you take a warm bath. Anything that makes you feel a little more human, do it for yourself. And yeah, guys, I uh, I feel like I'm rambling, but thank you all again. And as always, we just look forward to seeing you next time. Um, same Spoopy time, same Spoopy yes, channel. Stay Spoopy, y'all. Yes. Stay Spoopy, y'all. Have Bye. a good night. Bye. Bye. Grindhouse Girls Podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Britt Ray. Our editor is N.R. Moody. All music used is royalty-free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials. And if you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hey, our email is contactus at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening.